the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, this is a critically important truth, and we need to be careful that we don't allow the distorted teachings of unscrupulous ministers to rob us of its value. This is a great truth. The clear teaching of Scripture is that if you are stingy and tight-fisted with your money, then don't expect God to bless you materially. Don't expect it. He's not going to do it. But if you are generous in giving to others and giving for the sake of, of blessing them and advancing God's kingdom, then you can expect that God will bless you materially so that you can give more. That's the point. In other words, if my goal is to accumulate wealth for my own use and pleasure, then God will not bless my apparent generosity and it'll be wasted. If my goal is to bless others, then my generosity is a wise investment because it will not only bless others, it will bless me so that I can continue the cycle. What a wonderful paradox. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and now we're moving into chapter 9. These two chapters deal with an area of life in which people seem to resist instruction, even biblical instruction. Maybe I should say especially biblical instruction. And that's such a shame because if we do what the Bible says with our money, our lives will get a lot better. Here's Pastor Steve to explain how that can be. We have been studying the subject of financial generosity as we've been working our way through 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And really, in listening to Paul as he instructs the Corinthians to be generous in helping the poor uh, saints in Jerusalem, we've been learning a great deal about generosity and how we should be generous in supporting the Lord's work. Now, as you as you all can imagine and certainly know that whenever the issues of money and, and giving and generosity are presented to God's people, one must be sensitive and tactful, diplomatic, because people tend to be a bit touchy and, and sensitive when somebody tells them about uh, about money and how to spend their money. But in being diplomatic and being tactful, we have to be careful that we're not so tactful that we become misleading and perhaps even even deceptive. Like the young man I heard about who was working in the produce section of a grocery store when a woman approached him and demanded of him that he provide her with with half a head of lettuce. Not a whole head of lettuce, but half a head of lettuce. Well, he tried to explain to her as diplomatically as he possibly could that they didn't sell lettuce that way in that produce department. But she was so insistent that he figured the only way to get rid of her was just to do what she wants. And so he walked around the corner, took a butcher knife, and slammed it through a big head of lettuce. As he was whacking the lettuce, his manager walked by and said, what in the world are you doing? Well, he said, a crazy old woman out there wants half a head of lettuce. But just as he said that, he turned around and noticed that the woman had followed him. And so without a moment's hesitation, he said, and this sweet, precious lady wants the other half. <laughs> now, 
the manager was so impressed by this that the next day he called the young man into his office and he said, I have never in all of my life seen anything like that. I've never seen anybody think on their feet that quickly. That was incredible. Where are you from, young man? Well, he said, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, home of great hockey teams and ugly women. Son, I'll have you know my wife is from Lancaster, (laughs) Pennsylvania, he said. And so he responded and said, oh, is that right? And what hockey team did she play on? (laughs) See, that, that young man certainly was tactful and diplomatic, but he was tactful and diplomatic in a rather deceitful and manipulative way. The Apostle Paul was so different, tactful, diplomatic, and yet uh, Paul, when talking about money matters, never resorted to being dishonest in any way or manipulative or deceitful. When he spoke about money, he was forward. He uh, spoke to them about being generous. He told them the need to be sacrificial and selfish in their giving. And yet he refused in any way to manipulate them by, by ordering them to give, by saying this is really a law, this is a command. He never did that. In fact, Paul went out of his way to say that when it comes to money, you can talk about it, you can urge people, but you cannot in any way command them to give. In fact, he said that in chapter 8. Verse 8, very upfront, he said, I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. It's not a command. God wants our giving to come from a willing heart, not a legislative law or command. Now, all throughout chapter 8, Paul has one goal in mind, and this is the big picture that you should keep in mind. He has one goal, and that is to motivate the Corinthians to complete the collection that they had started about a year earlier, but for some reason they hadn't completed it. That's really what this is all about. They had not finished it, and Paul wants to motivate them to get going and to complete it. That's what these chapters are about. And he he does this. He he appeals to them along three broad lines. And if you get this, you're going to get the big picture. Number one, he presents two examples of godly generosity. One from an earthly perspective, the churches of Macedonia, they were poor and yet they gave. They gave though they were dirt poor. Paul says you're to be like them. Secondly, there's the divine example and that is Jesus himself who being rich, he says, having everything, gave it all up in becoming a man, so that we who have absolutely nothing spiritually bankrupt, we might have everything spiritually and be wealthy. So Paul says, that's your example. You're supposed to be like them. He urges us to be generous like those two examples. Secondly, Paul appeals to their integrity, their integrity. And basically, the line of appeal is this. Look, you started something about a year ago. You need to finish it. You promised that you would be giving. Now it would be dishonest if you stopped, if you didn't do it. And so he appeals to them to be men and women of integrity and follow through and finish off what you said you would. That's like making a pledge and never following through. It's like promising an organization money and not doing it. Paul says, have integrity. And third, beginning with the last verse of chapter 8, which we looked at last week, and and continuing, I want you to know, through the entire chapter 9, Paul encourages the Corinthians to give by teaching them that it is beneficial and it is a blessing to be generous. It does affect you. 
You're not uh, aloof from giving. It impacts you. And, and this ought to be a great encouragement to us because uh, being generous is something that affects us and, and has far-reaching consequences. It affects our church. It has an impact on other people, our own personal lives. And even if we can put it this way, even God, in the sense that when we're generous, others give him glory and give thanksgiving for the generosity wrought in us. Now, last week, we saw the first three benefits of being generous that Paul mentions. This week, we're going to continue with more. And I said last week that I thought that we might be able to finish it this week. But I'll tell you what, that is not going to happen because... Because as I've studied chapter 9 this week, I want you to know that we're really, we're just getting to the good part. Some of the richest truths are found about generosity and giving in chapter 9. And I don't, I don't feel comfortable before the Lord to uh, sort of shortchange God's word for the sake of brevity. I mean, what else are we going to do? We're not studying, you know, Time Magazine after this. We just continue studying the Word of God. So, and we, and we want to do it, uh, we want to give it justice and do it justice and uh, want to study it in its completion and not shortchange God's Word and not shortchange you. You need to know these truths. I need to know these truths. So having said that, let's very quickly review what we saw last week. The first benefit of being generous is that generosity demands or demonstrates your love to others. It proves that you love others. He said this in verse 24, the, the close of chapter 8. Therefore, he says to the church at Corinth, openly before the churches, that is before their representatives who are watching you, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. When you're generous with your money, it proves that you love people. It just proves that you love people, that your love is not empty. It's not just words. You're, as, as we say, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You are loving people, and that means that God's grace is at work in your life. And when others observe that, they recognize that God is shaping you and transforming you into loving people, into an individual who cares about others. And when they see that, when God's people see that, and that's what he's talking about here, you know what? They give God glory. They praise God for, for what he's done in our lives. So when you give, it does influence others. It demonstrates it demonstrates to others that you have been transformed into a loving person and are still being transformed. And it demonstrates, quite frankly, to other churches that we are a loving congregation, that we give for our people, that we give to get the gospel out, that we care about ministry to other people. And ultimately, God gets the glory for transforming us. Secondly, the second benefit to being generous is it not only demonstrates our love to others, but it stirs others to give. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9, for it is superfluous. It is unnecessary for me to, to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely, here it is, that Achaia, which is just basically another name for Corinth, which was in the region of Achaia. Achaia, or Corinth, has been prepared since last year. And your zeal, watch this, has stirred up most of them. Paul says that the initial zeal of the Corinthians in giving to the poor, they started this whole thing. They were the first church to get it going. It stirred up the poor Macedonian churches. When they looked at the Corinthians and said, look, brothers, sisters, if they can give, then we can give. It stimulated them, and that's the way giving is supposed to be. It is supposed to influence other people. It is supposed to motivate other people. When others see your generosity, your children, your friends, fellow Christians, see that you are personally generous, and we're not trying to impress others with our generosity, but when they see that, it ought to stimulate them to be generous. That's the principle. 
Hopefully, when other churches see that we are a generous church, it will stimulate them to give more to missions and ministry issues and expansion of ministry. So what, what are some of the benefits of being generous? It demonstrates our love to others. It stirs others up to give. Thirdly, it overcomes, it helps us to overcome the sin of covetousness. Paul said that in verses 3 through 5, and let me just uh, read these to you and very quickly comment on it. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that, as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence." So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Now, all that this is saying essentially is this. Paul says, I'm sending Titus and two and two other brothers with him to the church at, at your church, the church at Corinth, in order to supervise the collection, the completion of this, of this project, so that everything is taken care of before I arrive. I have bragged about you. I have boasted that you're so generous. But if I get there, and you haven't finished the collection, I'll be embarrassed, and, and you should be embarrassed by it. So to avoid this potential embarrassment, I, and I want you to make sure you complete this. Otherwise, when I get there, you're going to have to have the church hastily collect and complete this collection, and, and that's not good. You're going to have to do it very quickly, and this, Paul says, would be giving with the wrong attitude. If you, If I came there and you hadn't finished this, and you got it all together quickly because I was there, you would probably be giving under pressure, and I don't want that. Paul calls that an attitude of covetousness, which means you give, but you really don't want to give. You feel like you have to give. In other words, they would still give, but it wouldn't be from a willing heart. It would be from from a reluctant heart that really didn't want to let go of their money, but they they gave anyway because Paul was there, and they felt his presence. And Paul said, that's covetousness. That's That's greediness. See, when you are willingly generous, it helps to overcome the natural pull of our hearts. And all of us have this, to be greedy and stingy and tight-fisted. All of us, that, that is by nature the way we are. That is part of our fallen human flesh. And, and you have to discipline yourself to fight that, to be generous, to look for opportunities to help people to look for opportunities uh, when, when nobody really knows what you're doing, but you be generous. You have to fight that pull of your heart to, to just consume everything on yourself and to think nothing about other people. So generosity helps us in that area. So we've seen so far three benefits of being generous. Now this morning we want to move on to the fourth one. This is new material. And I want to warn you, what you're about to hear at first is going to sound odd and peculiar, but it's not. It is going to be biblical, it's going to be right, but just uh, bear with me as we go through this and, and try to explain this as carefully as we can. The fourth benefit of being generous is this, God will be generous with you. If you're generous with him, he'll be generous with you. Verse 6, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Now, in light of the decision that the Corinthians have to, to make, whether to give generously or give grudgingly, Paul calls the church to remember an important truth that comes from the worlds of agriculture. This is just a general truism. It's rather self-evident truth, and it's this. If you sow sparingly, you will have a poor harvest. If you sow generously, you will have a plentiful harvest. That's really not difficult to understand. As I said, it's a, it's a self-evident uh, truism. It's a, it's a proverb from the world of agriculture. If a farmer sows a little seed, then he'll get a small amounts of crops, generally speaking. If he's generous with the seed he sows, then he will reap a lot of crops in return. That's precisely what Paul is saying. That is precisely what he means. But in bringing up this agricultural proverb, Paul is not intending to teach us about farming. What he is doing, though, is making a spiritual analogy from the world of farming. And the analogy is this. Just as a farmer's harvest is proportionate to his sowing, so the Corinthians' blessings, and I might add material blessings, will be in proportion to their giving. In other words, the more money you invest in the Lord's work, the greater will be your material blessings from God. Or to put it another way, if you're generous with God, he'll be generous with you. If you're stingy with God, he will not be generous with you. Now, I realize, and this is what I want to work us through, I realize that at first glance, this sounds very much like the erroneous prosperity gospel that we hear by so many. And the prosperity gospel, as we said last week, it goes something like this. Give a lot of your money to my ministry so that God will bless you with great wealth. I want you to know this is not what Paul is teaching. Not what Paul is teaching. Because modern-day prosperity preachers appeal to their people to give a lot of money as a shrewd investment strategy in order to become wealthy. It ends there. It's give a lot so you can get a lot so you can live like a child of the king. You deserve it. Best clothes, best cars, best homes. It's your, uh, it's, it's your, uh, what comes from being a child of God. I didn't know what, what it is. It is your, and I, I lost it, but it, it's, it's really sort of your inheritance now. That's what they teach, but that's not what Paul is saying. Personal wealth is their ultimate goal, and it is a goal that's motivated by greed and covetousness. But that's not what Paul is teaching. And we know this is not what Paul is teaching by this. As Paul develops the the thoughts here of, of sowing and reaping in the next few verses, he'll make it very clear that the reason we should want God to materially bless us is not to consume that wealth upon ourselves, but so that we will have more money. Now watch this, in order to be a a blessing to others in need. That's what he's saying. In other words, what drives us to be generous is that we want to continue to be a blessing to others. And the way to do this is to constantly be generous in your giving to God so that he will repeatedly be generous in resupplying your resources. Now, did you get that? You give to get in order to give again. That's what Paul is teaching, and you'll see this as he develops this. That's not the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel starts with me and ends with me. That's it. I give, so I get, so I get, so I get, so I get. So I'm just kind of a dead-end street here. But Paul teaches that we give, and when we give, and that's not the only motivation, so we get back, but when we give, we know we're going to get back so we can uh, give more, and we get back more, and we give more. 
That's what Paul is teaching. In fact, even before Paul develops this thought as he goes through these these verses, we have an indication of this even in verse 6. I want you to notice that Paul, let me read verse 6 again. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows, now watch this, the word translated in my version is bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, what does that mean, bountifully? Literally, and it's a good translation, I might add, but literally this word means blessing, blessing. We eulogize somebody. That's where we get this word. We speak well of them. We give a blessing. The thought here is that the person who gives generously with the intent of blessing others will in turn be generously blessed by God. Now, that is precisely what Paul means. The person who gives generously with the intention of of blessing others with that gift will in turn be generously blessed by God. He's not talking about the person who gives so they can get rich and then just enjoy it and consume it on themselves. It's giving with an intent of blessing others. That person will be generously blessed by God. Now, this is a critically important truth, and we need to be careful that we don't allow the distorted teachings of unscrupulous ministers to rob us of its value. This is a great truth. The clear teaching of Scripture is that if you are stingy and tight-fisted with your money, then don't expect God to bless you materially. Don't expect it. He's not going to do it. But if you are generous in giving to others and giving for the sake of, of blessing them and advancing God's kingdom, then you can expect that God will bless you materially so that you can give more. That's the point. Now, someone might say, but you know what? I'm not seeing this in the rest of Scripture. This, is, this must be an isolated text. No, not, not so. In fact, the, the, uh, the wisest man who ever lived was Solomon, and he spoke about it in Proverbs. Let's turn to Proverbs. This is all throughout Proverbs. I've just pulled a few of these Proverbs to support what Paul has taught. Proverbs chapter 11, starting in verse 24. It's the same thing. Solomon says, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. Isn't that interesting? There's, there's someone who takes financial resources and scatters it, and yet he increases all the more. How do you figure that out? How would that work? Because God blesses him. And he says, there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. There's someone who's tight-fisted, and you would think that they would have more and more, but no, they have less and less. But the person who gives more away gets more. He says in verse 25, the generous man will be prosperous. And he who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. That's, that's what Paul is teaching. Give and it'll be given to you. Hold it back, you'll be cursed. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, same thing. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. That's a great truth. You're gracious to a poor man, you're, you're giving to the Lord. And he, meaning the Lord, will repay him for his good deed. You give to somebody who's poor and someone who's in need, and God will repay you. God will take care of it. Proverbs 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. And that's, that's really the same thing. The clear and consistent teaching of Scripture is that if you have been generous in giving, you can count on God to generously repay you. And if you have not been generous with Him, then He won't be generous with you. Are you just squeaking by financially? My wife and I have experienced just what Pastor Steve described. We used to live paycheck to paycheck, struggling to make ends meet, 
and only giving what little we thought we could manage after paying the bills. Of course, the bills were big because we wanted stuff and we wanted it now. Once the Lord changed our perspective on generosity through scripture passages like what we're studying right now, we unloaded a lot of stress, even though we didn't earn any more than we did before. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Visit lakesidechapel.com to get information about service times and learn more about Lakeside. Or call the church office at 727-441-1714. If you want to catch up on previous messages in this series on generous giving from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, all of our broadcasts are available for free streaming or download at firstbyverseradio.org. Click the message archive link and search for the day or days you'd like to hear. And if the Lord is blessing you through Verse by Verse and you'd like to help support this ministry, we make it easy and safe to give through the website. We are deeply grateful to and for the generous listeners who help keep us on the air. That's firstbyverseradio.org. Some folks might argue in response to the Old Testament passages we just read that Paul wasn't talking about money. He was talking about spiritual blessings. Well, of course, God will spiritually bless generous people. But that's no reason to spiritualize what Paul said. When Paul said, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, he used a farming analogy. To continue the analogy, when someone sows wheat, they harvest wheat, not tomatoes. This is Jerry Peterson. I hope you can come back for the next verse by verse as Pastor Steve shows from Scripture that if we bless others materially, God will bless us in the same way. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.